0: i
1: We can't help in this moment, God, but be very aware of the person sitting next to us. We, we open our eyes and, and we see people in this room. I pray that you would give us a clear vision for the fact today that there are not only people in this room, but that you are here. You are present with us. Allow your presence to be something that is uh, palpable to us today. God, I pray that we would be incredibly conscious of the fact that we are not alone. You are always with us, never leaving us or forsaking us. And we love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Have a seat. As you do, you can take that folder that was given to you on the way in. And On the inside, there's a card. You find that in there. Go ahead and put your name on it. Let us know of your presence here today. Maybe a, a way to go ahead and contact you. One of the things to notice that's important on the backside in the small corner off to the right, this is the first time this season that we're offering that opportunity to go ahead and get baptized at our outdoor service on August 24th. So I know that seems like a long time away, but truth be told, August 24th is going to hit, and you're going, man, the summer went by fast. So we're giving you early warning and getting you ready for that. So maybe you've been looking forward to getting baptized, or there's someone in your family, one of your kids, that you've been wanting to uh, have them baptized. So make sure you go ahead and check that off. And we'll contact you about uh, about what all is happening with that. We have time. But nonetheless, we want to make sure that, that you're ready and prepared for that. If it's your first time with us, we have a gift that we like to give you. As you're leaving today, there's a table on the way out. There's a book there by Josh McDowell called More Than a Carpenter, and it talks about who Jesus is and the, the difference he can make in every person's life. So we'd love for you to take one of those as our gift today, a way of saying thanks uh, for spending your morning with us, and for that matter, spending your Mother's Day with us. It's a day that we get to celebrate our moms, thank God for them, thank God for for the women in our lives we're we're very grateful for that and one of the things that I appreciate I've been a part of basically two churches in my life for a long time my childhood church my family was a part of that church for 30 years before my parents moved off to Tennessee and this one I've been a part of for for almost 20 years and one of the things that happens in, in life in a church when you've been there for a while is you not only have your physical mom and dad, physical brothers and sisters, but God gives you a lot of great spiritual relationships. He gives you spiritual moms and dads and spiritual kids and spiritual siblings. And so uh, today I'd encourage you to, to celebrate that as well, not, not just the physical relationships God has given you, but the spiritual people along the way who are, who are mothering you in the kingdom of God and helping you to grow to be more and more Christ-like all the time and we get that same privilege of being able to serve as a spiritual parent to someone else. So I was trying to find something brilliant to say about Mother's Day and I thought, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Let the video say it instead. So I'm hunting through videos and I came across this one and I can always tell a video is really good when I'm sitting there blubbering like a baby in front of my computer screen. So I'm just warning you, you know, grab the Kleenex, get ready, grab the sleeve of the person next to you. Let's go.
2: Of those notes yeah I think it's cute love is patient. first No heartbeat. Love protects. Have to go.
0: Have a nice, quiet day at work, hun.
2: Love doesn't envy. Love always trusts And always hopes
1: how's your love life? How's your love life? Mother's Day is a celebration of of lasting love. God gave us moms to express a part of him, a part of his character that could not have been expressed any other way. And today we celebrate the lasting love that a mother has for a child and a child has for a mom. I spent some time this week thinking about a particular question. I asked What's the most loving thing a mom can do for her child? What's the most loving thing a wife can do for her husband? What's the most loving thing a woman can do for her family? Now, i got to be honest, that question is kind of unfair because it implies that there's one best thing. And truth be told, there are so many great ways to show our love. We just witnessed several in that video clip. How's your love life, mom? One of the greatest ways that we can express love For another person is to pray for them. To actually enter the presence of the living God. Not on our behalf, not to talk about ourselves. But for the sake of someone we love more than ourselves. Lasting love can't help but look into the eyes of a child with endless optimism and abundance of hope. Loving eyes see that person for for who they could be. And they know that they're willing to give anything and everything, including their own life, for that person. Lasting love is a supporter, an advocate, a shoulder to cry on. Lasting love, the Bible tells us, always hopes, always trusts, always protects. It always perseveres. And to do so, lasting love prays. Lasting love has to pray. One of the most loving things a Christian parent can do is to bring their child's name again and again and again to the throne room of the king, to the feet of the Savior, to the listening ear of the Spirit of God. Lasting love, praise. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to extend our conversation from last week and talk specifically about ways in which a mom can show the greatest form of love for her child or her husband or her family at large by praying. And as Paul says, praying without ceasing. Lasting love prays. Now I have to give you two disclaimers to start. The first, of course, is that this topic has implications beyond moms. Dads, we need to pray. Kids, we need to pray for our parents and for our siblings and those without a child or without a spouse, this is a day for you as well. There's someone in your life for whom you can show lasting love by praying for them. So, disclaimer one, every time I use the word mom, just insert your name here. Because this truly does imply to all of us. Disclaimer number two. Anytime we talk about prayer, it tends to evoke one particular emotion. Guilt we feel bad. We sit and think things like I don't pray enough or I need to pray more or I'm not sure that I pray right or my prayers are too short. Even the statement I made just just a couple of moments ago, we need to pray evokes in so many of us a sense of shame, one that I'm I'm not doing what I should be or I'm not doing it well or I'm not doing it enough. So I want to start just by uh, reframing this thing today. Today, I'm not putting you in the back seat of a car named guilt and taking you on a tr- another, another trip. We're not talking today about shoulds and oughts. I want you to just go ahead and leave those at the curb. I want you to replace it with the word want. I want to pray. Why? Because I want to love. I want to love well. I want to love with a lasting love. This is not a woulda, coulda, shoulda, oughta, had to, mighta message. It's a want to message. I want to do this. I want to, with deep, deep desire, I want to love well. And so I want to pray. Today I hope to share with you some methods and some motivations for praying that, that will grow you in expressing lasting love to the people in your life for whom you express love. We've been in this series called Be Like Jesus. And last week we looked at Luke 11, 1 to 13. In that passage, Jesus is caught by his disciples praying. Luke 11, 1 told us that he's a certain place praying. And when it's all done, one of his disciples, an unidentified disciple, asks, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, what do you think is happening here? Do you think they had never prayed before? Do you think they had no idea of how to pray? I doubt that's the case. A good Jewish kid would have been taught how to pray. In their synagogue services, they would have recited the Psalms of David, which serve as the, the prayer book and the hymnal of the Jewish people. They knew how to pray, and yet they didn't. Something was missing. And this reveals a universal truth about prayer for all of us. Here's the truth. We really don't know how to pray. Now you're thinking, what do you mean we don't know how to pray? Speak for yourself, Dennis. Maybe you don't pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray. I know how to pray. I've been praying all my life. I pray with my food. I keep a prayer journal. I've heard tons of sermons on prayer. Of course I know how to pray. Well, this has been my experience. And perhaps, as I say it, you'll find yourself affirming it. Just when I think I know how to pray, just when I think I've figured it out, I realize at a newer, deeper level that I don't truly know how to pray. Prayer is an ever-growing, constantly evolving conversation with God. And the conversation is really more than a conversation. It would be better described with the word communion. We commune. We grow in oneness with each other. This process of praying, of growing in oneness, is reflected in our own human relationships. On December 28th, Kim and I will will celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary. We have a great relationship and we have a growing friendship. Our conversation, our communion could be described with many words, but one word I would not use, static. It doesn't just stay the same. It keeps growing and deepening and morphing and changing. The same is true with our life of prayer. We really do not know how to pray. We get it at a certain level today. But but what we have today may not be the same tomorrow. It will deepen and it will change. Last week, we we looked at some of the words of the Apostle Paul found in in Romans chapter 8. He writes this, and the Holy Spirit helps us with our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. There are times... That we literally don't know how to pray. We don't know what to say. And in those moments we have this confidence that the Spirit is praying for us. And not just when we don't know what to say. He's always praying for us. He's constantly praying for us. There's a a verse I want to show you. I learned it as a first grader. It's the very first verse I was ever taught. It's found in Hebrews 7.25. Now, I learned it in King James Version. So it starts with, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. And i got to admit, as a first grader, I said, huh? And as a fifth grader and and as a pastor. So I went to... (laughs) A more modern translation, and here's what you see. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He, that is Jesus, lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. Long before we open our mouths in prayer, the Spirit is praying for us, and the Son is praying for us. They express a form of of true and lasting love by constantly talking to God for us, raising our names to the Father, standing in the presence of the Father on our behalf, representing us, interceding for us, praying for us. Feel confident in this. When you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to pray, you already have the Spirit and the Son going to work on your behalf. They're praying for you. Now, if the Spirit and the Son pray for us in this incredible act of lasting love, think of the great privilege we have of expressing our love by praying for our kids, for our spouses, for our families, for the people that we love. So so how do we pray? How do we do this? Paul wrote some beautiful words in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and it just lays out with simplicity how prayer works. He writes, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Prayer really isn't that complicated. Not at all. Paul says prayer is telling God about it rather than trying to fix it myself. I'm telling God about it rather than trying to fix it myself. He starts by saying, don't worry about anything. I dare you to go home and tell your mom that one today. Don't worry about anything. There's your Mother's Day present. Don't worry about anything, Mom. Yeah, right, sure. Fortunately, he didn't end. He didn't put a period there. He said, don't worry about anything. It would be an impossible task if he ended there, but he didn't. He said, instead, instead. You see, worry is an attempt to fix it. Rather than an expression of faith. Worry is us trying to make it better. Rather than trusting that God knows how to handle it best. Praying isn't just about answers. Praying is about perspective. Praying is about seeing life God's way. Think about this for a moment. I mean, how audacious is it for us to walk into the presence of God. And issue him his morning to-do list. God, this is what you need to do today, and this is how you need to do it. I mean, think about this. God is all-knowing. We only know parts. He is all-wise. Our wisdom is incomplete, and I promise you, it is not at all impartial. He is God, and we are the dust into which he breathed life. We walk into God saying, God, I know best how you should do your job today. Now get to work the way I told you to. Ah, That's not what prayer is all about. Praying isn't just about talking. Praying is about trusting. It's about not worrying, but instead telling him, trusting him. Not trying, but instead trusting. And you know what? It's not always easy to trust when you're talking about your kid, is it? It's not always easy to give your child over to God and say, God, this is your work, not mine Our generation, perhaps more than than anyone before us, does everything and anything to make sure our child is provided every possible advantage in every area of life. You know, I took the ACT in 19, or the SAT in 1984. Do you know what my parents did to help me get a perfect score? They drove me to the test. That was it. They didn't even register me. They drove me, dropped me off and said, see in a few hours. Today, we spend hundreds of dollars to give our kids every possible advantage. And then we let them take the test a couple times with additional expense so they can eke out a couple extra points. In every area, we want what's best for our kids and we do everything we can to keep them from getting hurt and to keep them from harm and to keep them from frustration and to keep them from disappointment coming across their paths. It's kind of ironic. We grew up in the school of hard knocks. Our kids are being taught in the school of feathers and fluff. We labor to keep them from experiencing pain and any possible disadvantage. If we could, we would wrap them in seven layers of bubble wrap before we send them off to school every day. Our greatest goal, let no harm come. Let no hardship happen. But sometimes God lets hardship come into their life. Sometimes God lets harm come across their path. He lets it swerve into their pathway. You know, it's one thing for us to quote And claim Romans 8.28 for ourselves. I know that God works everything together for the good. It doesn't say everything's good. It says God takes all the pieces, good, bad, and ugly. And works them together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. We, We can claim that for ourselves. But can we claim that for our kids? Can we trust that everything, even the bad thing, might actually be for our child's best? God knows better than us. The question is, do we trust him? Are we going to keep telling him how to do his job? That requires deep trust. You know, we've recently talked about the prayers of Jesus in the garden prior to his death. He prayed in Luke 22. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He didn't want to go through the suffering of death. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That is an expression of trust. He wasn't telling God how to do his job. He was saying, God, I believe you know what is best, and I'm willing to trust you with my life. I wonder, have you ever thought about the prayers of Mary, his mother, in those final hours of his life? Have you ever wondered what she prayed as she watched her son go through this pain and suffering and agony? Do you think she begged his father? Do you think she begged God more than once to stop the violence against Jesus? To strike down those who were torturing her little boy? Do you think that just like Jesus, she asked the father to change his mind? Please don't make this happen. Which is harder, to endure pain yourself or watch someone you love endure pain while it seems like you just helplessly stand by and watch the one you love suffer, in her moments of desperation, she was forced to embrace God's logic. He said, you'll have to trust me on this one. Are we willing to not worry, but instead express our trust to God and tell him about what's going on in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of one's that we love. Can you trust that God loves your child more than you do? That God wants what is what is best for your child more than you do? Watching the pain in the eyes of one you love can really put that trust to the test. It's no longer theoretical. Now it's right there very practical. Paul says that prayer is telling God rather than trying to fix it on my own. That's what worry is, trying to fix it. Here's another thing he says about prayer. Prayer is also thanking God rather than complaining about it. We thank God rather than just expressing our gripes. He says, tell God what you need and thank him. Thank him for all he has done. Praying for our kids is not only about telling him what we need, not only about not worrying, but also thanking God for them, thanking God for who they are, for who they're becoming and for what they've done, and for what they will do. This is kind of cool. We get to brag on our kids in the presence of their Heavenly Father. We, We get to thank God in the presence of their Heavenly Father for them. And we need to do this. You know why? Because some of us have become experts at only, always, ever seeing problems, and faults, and unrealized potential, and missed marks, and bad grades, and disappointments. And we need to be reminded that there's still something in there worthy of giving thanks to God. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Thank God for the people in your life. Thank Him. Sincerely thank Him again and again and again. You know, the Bible says it and brain research is is proving it. Consistent expressions of gratitude can literally have a positive impact on the way your mind works and on your physical health. Don't just gripe about your kids to God. Don't just complain. Give thanks. Give thanks often. Thanking Him for what He's doing in them. Thanking Him for the good work that you see growing in them. See it and say thanks. Paul ends the passage by saying that when we choose to forgo worry and instead talk to God, when we we talk to God and express thanks, an amazing spiritual dynamic take place takes place, peace washes over us. And it does not only saturate us, but, but, but like a band of soldiers, it sets up watch around our hearts and around our minds. And it guards us from obsession and from worry. Prayer is an expression of lasting love. And here's the thing. When we love someone that way, Some of the love comes splashing back on us as well. The more we pray, the more we trust. Prayer is not just about getting answers. Prayer is about surrender. It's about surrender. It's about being able to say like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. God, I want what you want. So how do we pray? How do we pray for our kids? How do we pray for our spouse? How do we pray for the people we love? Uh, Let's talk about techniques, so to speak. Now, what I'm not looking to do today is add another to-do to your list. If you're a mom, you're already pretty busy. I promise you I'm not going to suggest that it's time to wake up at 3 in the morning and pray for two hours before you have to get up at 5 in the morning and do it all again. I want to practically engage with Paul's words in First Thessalonians 5.17. He wrote these words, Pray without ceasing. Modern versions say it this way, Never stop praying. Now, now, if you're a mom, you're looking at the verse and saying, yeah, right. How in the world am I supposed to do that? How in the world do I never stop praying? You see those words and you tend to think that Paul is talking about espousing the life of a monk. And on some days that doesn't feel like a bad thing, right? We need to head off to a monastery where, where nonstop praying is a spiritual vocation. No, this, this verse is meant for everyone, Even the preoccupied mom of an infant, the taxi mom of the school kid, and the terrified mom of a team. We can all, we can all pray without ceasing. So what I want to do is wrap up by talking about two easy ways to pray for your kids in a way that is ceaseless. It goes on and on. It never stops. The first is the simple action of praying while breathing. The word for spirit in the Old Testament is the word ruach. Uh, These words, in fact, there's another word, Elohim. When you put them together, ruach, Elohim, it's literally referring to the Spirit of God. That Hebrew word, Spirit, is also translated a couple other ways. It means a couple other things. It means wind, and it means breath. So the same word is used for spirit as well as wind and breath. I mean, think about it for a moment. When God took clay and made it into a person, what did he do? He breathed. He breathed the Spirit in, and that clay became human life. An ancient and beautiful Christian practice is to tie a simple sentence prayer to every breath. As we're breathing, we pray. You can breathe a prayer while you're driving your car, while you're making a lunch, while you're changing a diaper, while you're helping with the homework. You, you can even breathe a prayer while you're in the middle of a conversation. It's a prayer that's short enough to be prayed as we simply breathe in and breathe out. On breathing in, identify a meaningful name for God. Uh, early on when, when Kim and I would pray, she used a name for God that I loved. She'd call him Father God. And, and it's one that I've claimed and one that, one that I've really started to enjoy. So as, so as you're breathing in, you simply say, Father God, Father God. And as you're breathing out, you go ahead and make The request, the very simple request. So it might be something as simple as, Father God, help our child today. And by our, I'm not talking about the one that I share with Kim. I'm talking about the one I share with him. That child is his child, not just my child. We share this child with God so we can just pray this simple prayer as we're praying, as we're breathing. Uh, You could make it a prayer about character. Father God, help our child to be courageous today. Now here's the thing you got to understand about praying for virtue in your child. If you're going to pray for virtue, generally what happens is an experience... That is exactly the opposite. The inverse happens in your life. So, you want courage? You know what happens? You face some scary things. That's how we grow courage, by being scared. And now you're praying, oh God, make him courageous, but don't let him be afraid. Now, that's bubble wrap theology. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. If you're going to pray for courage, you've got to understand. Your kid might come home and say, it was the scariest day of my life. And what are you going to do? Well, you'll change your prayer tomorrow, I know. But, no, we... (laughs) We 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 pray to God, knowing that He's the one that's wise and is bringing about great things in our children's lives. It's a bold prayer. It's a prayer that you pray while you're breathing in and out. Now, why tie it to breathing? Well, here's the thing: breathing is something we all do all the time. I didn't have to send out a a constant contact survey this past week. How many of you breathe? Ironically, we all do that. We all do it with great consistency. There is not a person in the room today that had to write down on their morning to do list, "Don't forget to breathe." We all breathe all the time. It happens automatically. It happens consistently. It happens rhythmically. You'll be drawn back to prayer every time you notice yourself breathing. That's why I love it. God built in an alarm. He built in a reminder system. If you start to practice this, you're going to become more and more aware that you're breathing. And when you're breathing, it'll be a reminder. Say that prayer to God. Say that prayer to God. God has given you the gift of physical breath to draw your mind back to the spiritual breath of prayer. So breathe a prayer to God for your kid, for your spouse, for the people you love. You can change it every day. Some days it can be a request. Some days it can be a thanks. But breathe a prayer for God to God. The other thing that we can do, the other way we can pray is something that we can do literally anytime, anywhere. Again, no matter where you are. Now remember, when you determine to pray, you decide today, I'm going to pray. You're joining in on what's already happening. The Spirit is already praying for your child. And the Son is already praying for your child. You're just joining in on a conversation that's already happening. So why not try this? Just enter into the presence of God. Consciously enter into the presence of God on behalf of the other person. Be present for them in the presence of God. And and let me encourage you to do this. Be present without all the wordiness. Just be there. Just be there for them. For me, it would look like this. Father God, I'm standing here today on behalf of Shelley. Father God, I'm standing here today in your presence on behalf of Nate. Father God, I'm standing here today on behalf of my son and your son, Brian. In that sacred moment, save your words. Instead, simply understand that the Spirit is already praying and the Son is already praying. And agree with the prayers that they are already praying. Now, this is very daring because we don't necessarily know what they're praying. But we join God in that moment and say, in your presence, I agree with the prayers that are already being raised on behalf of my child, my spouse, my friend, the person I love. There was a godly woman who lived from 1342 to 1416. Her name is Julian of Norwich. She made a beautiful statement about this kind of prayer. Hopefully this will help. She said, when I pray for you, I look at God, I look at you, And then I look at God again. I look at God. I look at you. And then I keep looking at God. In fact, what she is saying is that you want what God wants for them. That you trust what God wants for them. You trust that he wants what's best for them, even when it doesn't feel very good to us. With either kind of prayer, I'm not suggesting that you really have to add anything to your day. It's just a change of perspective. It's, it's being aware of God's presence all the time. I mean, you're already breathing. Why not take advantage of that breath as a prayer and pray it back to God? In a moment of activity, you could just stop and make yourself aware of the presence of God while you're paying attention to your child. You could even go through the physical action of looking to God and then looking to your child and then looking to God again and agreeing with the prayer. That's already being prayed on their behalf Lasting love prays; It prays without stopping It prays Not just for what we'd like to happen But for what is best For what God knows is best It gives up worrying With all of its effort And trying And simply trusts It forgoes complaining And instead gives thanks So do you want to love well? Do you want to love really well? Do you want to love with a lasting love? Pray. Pray for the person you love. Let's enter the presence, the conscious presence of our Father right now, consciously. We are aware that you are here. We are aware, Father, that your Son and your Spirit are already lifting up prayers for us. Prayers that are best for us. The very deepest desires of the heart of God. God's holy and perfect will. We join you in agreeing with the prayers of the Son and the Spirit. And in doing so, we hand over our worry and we choose to trust We push aside our propensity to complain and we give you thanks. Thank you for the privilege of human relationships that are a physical reflection of the defined relationships that exist between you and the Son and the Spirit. Help us every day, God, to learn more and more what it means to trust you as we talk to you. In your name we pray, amen. We'll now share in a time of communion. A uh, Tray will be passed your way with a piece of bread on it and, and a cup. Take one of each, and, and when you're ready to go ahead and take communion, we won't wait and take it together. You can take it immediately or wait a couple of moments. It's totally up to you. Uh, It's an expression of what Jesus did for us, an expression that we believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for our sins, and that he is our Savior and our Lord. So uh, we we encourage you to go ahead and join us in this time of of friendship with God. And as we do, we'll be singing a song that again serves as a prayer. So so don't just listen to the beauty of the melody, but own the words and pray them back to God as we sing.
0: my heart and taking You.
1: we talking about prayer, I can't help but think that that last line is a beautiful definition of everything we've been talking about. We tend to think of prayer as a time to tell God what's in our head. We're going to tell him what's in our heart. But prayer is really a time to get to know the heart of God, to get to know his desires, what, what he really wants. So, you know, I was sitting and I couldn't help but think that, that whole idea of look to God, look to the person and look to God again. It may sound a little strange to you, you know, but I'm thinking, how many times have I done that with my own wife? I've looked at my wife, and then I've looked at my kid, and then I've looked back at her again, and that look can mean just about anything from, isn't that adorable, to, are you going to smack him or am I? Right? What a great way to be able to pray to God. Didn't even have to say a word. We both knew. What was going on right there, right now. So I want to encourage you to try it this week. I think you're going to find it a really refreshing experience. Um, Our servers are going to come right now and collect the offering. You can put your card in there as it's passed as well. A few things to tell you about. One is about this coming Saturday. May 17th is the day that a whole bunch of area churches are fusing together. Hundreds of people. To do some uh, community projects, getting involved in in things at the park district and around Shanahan, Manuka, just doing some cleanup so uh, i 'm really glad many of you signed up for it already you 've registered, and if you haven 't yet, you can still do that today as you 're leaving there 's a round table just across from the the school offices and fill out the front and back of the form on the back they need that the disclaimer uh, for the for the park district, the waiver, and then the front gives you the chance to sign up for a T shirt if you want you don 't have to pay for that now we just we need to know how many. There's a schedule on there as well, just so you're aware what the day looks like. We're going to be checking in between 8 and 8.30 at the the yard over at Shanahan United Methodist Church. So on Route 6, just down the street from where our place is going up. And uh, so I'm figuring if it says 8 o'clock, I'll see you all at about 8.40. And... um, so from 8.30 to 9, they're going to do a time of worship. Now let's face it, Saturdays can be a little busy. It might not be possible for you to make it you know, that early, but you can come do part of the day. We have claimed this place. So we're going to be doing cleanup around the school, around the park district, in this particular area. So if you're not able to make it over there, just come here, find one of us. Believe me, we're going to have a lot of mulch to do and weeds to pull, a lot of fun stuff to do. So hope you'll join in with us on that, on that day of joining together. Got some pictures for you from the week. It's been uh, a week that you probably will never notice again. This week, all the tubes... That were on the ground are now under the ground. All the all the storm sewer work is completed, which means uh, next step is a steel delivery sometime tomorrow or Tuesday, and then the thing starts to rise up out of the ground. So been pretty exciting, and uh, you know I'm kind of trying to take advantage of all these firsts. So here's a first: we hope you'll join us next Mother's Day in our new building. It's going to be an exciting time to be able to uh, just experience life as a family in a new way, in a new place. It's going to be a lot of fun, so we're looking forward to that. Make sure you take a good look at your folder today. There are some different things happening with our schedule. Next week's the last normal schedule week, two services. Then we break into one service for the summer. It's at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, and and, uh, the location is to be determined. So we like to jump around a little bit in the summer. So there'll be a couple weeks that we're going to be spending uh, services at the warehouse. One of those weeks, we'll start at the warehouse, and then we're going to actually head over to the property and do some wandering around and get to see up close and personal the building that's taking place. Toward the end of the summer, we've got the uh, the service at Four Rivers, so just keep checking the website. We'll make sure that that the place is always updated, so you're never you're never left out. There will be a map there too on how to get to the warehouse and how to get to Four Rivers, so so that you know those places. So. Really, really glad you joined us today. I hope you uh, have a great day as you celebrate either with your mom or, or a mom in your memory, someone that you're just able to cherish who may not be here now, but, but someone who, who loved you and brought you into this world. Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing together as we close. We're going to sing a song that's a reflection of the words that Ruth said to her mother-in-law. I doubt it was on Mother's Day. Hallmark hadn't invented it yet, but it was someone that she loved. She said, um, I'll go where you go. I'll lodge where you lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Let's claim this song today for Jesus.
0: Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. Next week.